Hey guys, it's Maddie and Anna, and we're here for Corporate Connections First Podcast. Today we're here at Level Agency with Miles Biggs. Miles, do you want to tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I am the AVP of Resource Management here at Level Agency, and for many years I have been a podcaster. So today we're going to talk about how I got into podcasting, but also how I got to be what I'm doing in my career today, and some tips and tricks I've learned along the way that y'all can put into action. Okay, so um, I guess we could start with like, what was your first job? Like just coming out of high school, in high school, sure. going into college? So my first job was when I was 14 years old. I worked at a local swim club in the snack bar <laughs> as like a short order cook and cashier. So I would be making cheeseburgers, counting out Swedish fish for like the penny candy, and then ringing up people to register and delivering food. I did that for a year and then hated it, obviously. That does not sound good. Um, but I was a swimmer. I was a competitive swimmer all through college, and so it was at the local swim club I swam at, and so it was easy for me to get my lifeguard certification then. So when I was 15, I became a lifeguard, and I did that till I was 17. When I was 17, I became assistant manager of the swim club, and I did that until I graduated high school and went to college. Yeah, um, that's really cool. Do you think that any of those like really early level jobs helped you gain some of the skills that you use today? Um, well, I'm certainly not flipping burgers anymore, <laughs> right? But I do think, yeah, I think um, working in a hospitality type position, whether it's in the snack bar or, you know, I would say a lifeguard is sort of in the same vein because you're working with people and, you know, you're a 17 year old dealing with an upset mother when you yell at her child for running on the pool deck or anything like that, right? So it really teaches you how to navigate people and different personalities and to have confidence in your own personality and how you're showing up in the different situations you're put in. So yes, looking back, I could, I could, I could make that uh, derivative. It didn't feel that way in the yeah. moment, but yeah, for sure. Um, where did you go to college and what did you study? Yeah, I went to college at Lycoming College. It's in, it's in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, which is the home of Little League Baseball <laughs> and not a whole lot else. It's a fairly small metro area, you could say, in central Pennsylvania. But I went there and, you know, my high school, going back to that for a second, there were over 3,000 kids in my high school. So my graduating class was about 700. Wow. And I saw people on graduation that I had never seen before <laughs> in my entire life. Yeah. Like, yeah that's... You go here? What's going on? And so I wanted the complete opposite experience in college. And so Lycoming only had 1,400 kids. So that's less tiny. than half of my high graduating school. Graduating class, yeah. Yeah. And so... It was great though because I wasn't a number in any way and I got to really sort of make a name for myself you know within that community and do a lot of different things and so there I studied corporate communications was my major um, surprise we're podcasting yeah. and then my minors were in business administration and sociology um, what was your favorite part about college like in academics wise social life wise so academics I, I, I like learning and I still, I'm, I consider myself a lifelong learner. I read a lot of books around, you know, personal development or business-related things for my career. Um, really, almost no fiction books. It's all, you know, nonfiction stuff. Um, so I liked learning. I liked, you know, being exposed to new things. Like Homing's a liberal arts school, so I had to take certain classes in, you know, religion and arts and humanities in addition to my core curriculum for my major, which was fun. Um, I was certainly uh, involved in the social aspect. <laughs> I was uh, president of my fraternity my senior year. 
they just you can't see them right now on the podcast if you're, <laughs> if you're watching they they nodded because they knew exactly what president of a fraternity <laughs> meant. Yeah. Um, so i definitely checked the box there which was fun and you know really going back to your question about what i learned in my first jobs i learned so much um being in leadership positions in a fraternity probably more than some jobs and how i could apply that because while fraternities and sororities certainly get a reputation for partying and it's it's well deserved in many in many cases <laughs> i could attest to it's also a business it's a nonprofit that you're running essentially so when i'm president of fraternity it's essentially trying my hand at being a ceo yeah. and managing a budget and employees so to speak with the other people on the leadership panel and managing a significant amount of risk when it comes to the social situations oh, yeah. we had to check ids at doors and alcohol and like monitor and like monitor people for too drunk and kicking them out and work with security and local police like it's a lot for college-aged people to have to deal with um, but it's still fun yeah so I did that and I also swam I swam all four years in college and I was captain of the swim team and I got involved in I mean it sounds like me bragging I'm not bragging but this is why I wanted to go to a smaller school as I was able to do so many things you see the pictures of graduation with people like the cords and the yeah. shawls or whatever like I was dripping in these <laughs> things. I, had, I was in all these different honor societies and clubs and things like that. And it was just a really great experience to, you know, certainly take what I needed to from the classroom, but then get a chance to apply it outside of the classroom in a number of clubs, sports teams, you know, social organizations. Yeah. So um, just that kind of like switch, because you were big in college. You did a lot of things. You were super involved. And I'm sure you can attest to like um, other college students to do that. How did you feel when you were like on the flip side of that, where you're like leaving college, leaving that part of your life behind, but also like you left a legacy and you had people behind you that like kind of took over for you. How were yeah. you feeling in that? Because I know a lot of people are going through that kind of change of mindset, especially sure. this time of year. Yeah, it's an interesting change for sure, especially for me going from an, as an athlete. I remember mm -hmm. like when the season ended and that feeling of like, wow, this is the last swim meet I'll probably ever participate in it's you lose something, yeah. right? There's like a period of mourning almost, and, you're, and then you're figuring out what do I do from here? Um, you know, it was weird because, not weird, different. I graduated, but then got a job right near where I went to college. Okay. And so it's like I left, but I also didn't have to if I didn't want to, because yeah, I yeah. still knew people on campus and I could go there on the weekend for a party if I wanted to, <laughs> you know, kind of ease my way out versus doing Definitely. a hard stop. But it's certainly different. You know, I was involved in a lot of different extracurricular activities. I had two jobs. Mm -hmm. I was going to school full time, you know, had a girlfriend, which is yeah. his own time commitment, right? <laughs> I, like every minute, yeah, he's not in order. Oh, uh, uh, come uh, on. Every, every minute of the day is accounted for. And then you graduate and you get a job and the minutes are accounted for during a specific window of time. And then you go home and it's like, what do I do? Like, yeah. What do I do now? What are my extracurricular activities <laughs> exactly, as a 22-year-old <laughs> with an apartment and, and bills to pay? And it's different. And yeah. it took me a little bit to get into the swing and find hobbies. And then, I'm sure we'll get to this, really, like, um, my hobby became work at a certain point mm -hmm. because I realized at that point in my life, I'm young. I don't have kids. I don't have any other responsibilities or, like, people on my time. So now's the time for me to just like go hard yeah. and work when other people have to go home to the families to go to sports practice yeah. or whatever and just like claw my way to the top of the corporate ladder. 
which I wouldn't necessarily advise. We could get to that <laughs> as well, like long term, but that's what I ended up doing. So yeah. I sort of reverted to that, like just put that all my energy That was kind of your coping mechanism yeah. in this case is throwing yourself into your work. Yes, that's definitely true. Yeah. Did you pick up any other like hobbies outside of work or related to work that weren't just in your day-to-day job, but just like things that would help you to perform better at work? So I, I read a lot, going back to the reading mm-hmm. and learning. I, you know, my first job out of college was at a family-owned group of companies in Central Pennsylvania, and I was a marketing assistant, so bottom of the totem pole. <laughs> and But when I looked around at this small family-owned company in Central Pennsylvania, it was you know, the age demographic skewed way older. You know, mm. there was probably a 15, 20 year age gap between me and the next youngest person at yeah. the company, which I really leaned into because I saw it as an opportunity. I was like, looked around, I was like, at some point, somebody around here is retiring <laughs> and yeah. there's gonna be a spot for me. So how do I get ready? And so I was learning a lot about the industry I was in, which was um, home building. Okay. And at the time, the owners of that company were also um, starting a brewery. And so that for me, I raised my hand right away. I was like, (laughs) I know I'm a marketing assistant on the housing side of things, but I'm down to work on this as like a side project. Just going back to my hobby kind of became building this startup within the established company and leaning on those uh, social muscles and beer drinking. uh, You took that initiative. To, you know, do homework, (laughs) drink some beer that they brought home from from work. But then I I got to name all the beers. I got to write all the stories on the labels. I got to oversee all of the art production and packaging and all of this, and I'm doing it when I'm 23, 24 years old. So really you got to do that, like you kind of got to take the product from the beginning to the end yeah. of it, to take it through the finish line Absolutely, basically. I got to start all the social media accounts from zero and grow all the followers yeah. and stuff because nobody there knew what, you know. Like, social media Why do I have to be on Facebook? <laughs> yeah. Right, right? Um, so yeah, so it was, it was interesting. I, I tried to apply that ability to manage multiple things mm-hmm. and apply it into like the one thing and manage multiple projects within the one job and use that to try to vault my career forward. Kind of maximize where you're at. And yeah. Like, and would you like suggest like that's a lot of people go into like, I want to go to the biggest place. I want to go to the most known place. I want to get a job and it doesn't matter really like what I'm necessarily doing. I have that brand name attached to my job title basically. So you kind of didn't, you didn't go necessarily in that direction, which I know a lot of people since we're in Pittsburgh, there's a lot of big companies here that do go that way. But like, would you say that you got more out of your, out of your job, out of like just coming out of college, more experience that made you a better candidate for things by doing that, by going and learning something all the way through? I think we could probably argue that. I don't know for sure because I only know the way I did it, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I haven't, I don't know any other way to exactly. compare it yeah. to, honestly. Um, but I'll tell you what did help me was I got an internship at the company where I was working full-time right out of school mm-hmm. when I was a sophomore in college. Uh, one of my jobs was working at the campus magazine covering speakers that would come on campus. And the CEO came to speak because he was an alumnus of the college. And when I was finished, I sent him the final story and a copy of my resume and just said, hey, I really love what you had to say. I identified with the following things. If you have any internship programs, I'd love to be considered. And he thought that was a pretty ballsy move. I just <laughs> thought it was like the thing to do. But it got me an interview and it got me an internship. And so I, w- I worked a f- summer full-time as an internship, mm-hmm. but full-time. Moved out, got my own apartment for the first time. I was 19. Um, my mom was like, where'd this come from? I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know you were actually leaving forever when you left for college. Um, but it was a really great experience. I lived by myself for a summer, had to pay rent, went to work every day doing it, and then I kept my foot in the door 
my junior year by working for my dorm room and tracking hours and doing oddball projects they needed help with. And then again, worked full time after my junior year. And then again, from my dorm room senior year. And so everyone's stressing senior year about where they're going to work. Yeah. And I already had a job locked down, which was awesome. Yeah. And so when I started full time, I was already kind of there for two years. And that helped me accelerate my path within that company versus starting over mm-hmm. and having to climb up again. Climb up. Yeah. So I think it just depends on what people are looking for. I knew, just like I didn't want to be a number at college, I didn't want to be a number in a big corporate institution at first. I know I knew plenty of people out of college that went, became like, I'm going to go to Northwestern yeah. and do that kind of thing. And they were still being like the coffee runner like three years in, and I'm already on the manager track. Yeah. You know, At that same company, I stayed there for over 10 years. And I was general manager of the parent corporation. It was a $50 million company with 400 employees. And I was running the day-to-day of the business, reporting to the CEO, and I was 27 years old. That's crazy. And nobody yeah. that I graduated with was doing that at all. That's very impressive. And that was just because like, I just like decided when I got the job there, I was like, I'm going to stay at this company for five years. And if it, nothing happens, I'll have exposure to all these different things because there were like seven brands I was doing marketing mm-hmm. for. And so everybody wants agency experience in marketing. I knew I could argue that I was part of an internal agency, basically. They had the brewery startup, which was fun, and I knew I could put on my resume. And then I was like, let's just do it. And so I, I just kind of went all in. I didn't, I didn't get distracted by like looking for what's the next thing to jump mm-hmm. to. I just committed myself to one place and just went hard, and then it worked for me. So that's like one piece of advice I would, or point of view I'd offer, not necessarily yeah. advice because you don't have to listen to me. <laughs> um, but that's just what I did, and so it worked for me. Yeah. So after you worked there, what was your next step? Like, I know you did a lot in that company and then you changed changed it up a little bit. Yeah. So you, you had asked about, did I pick up any hobbies? Yeah. And I just kind of went down the rabbit hole of no. Basically, <laughs> I just worked a lot. Um, but a hobby I did pick up in 2017 is what we're doing right now is podcasting. Yeah. So when I became general manager in 2017, I had been, I had been marketing director previously. And now I'm general manager, so marketing the marketing director now reported to me and so did every department head. So I went from being the creative person in marketing doing stuff like beer labels to now I'm spending my days meeting with the financial controller and the costing analyst and the head of engineering and going out into production and looking at how we're building homes and very technical black and white things. It's very different from what you were in, which is kind of what you fell in love with. Right, 100%. You know, managing a P&L is necessary, but it's not necessarily creative. Exactly. And so that's when I was like, okay, I need to still scratch my creative itch and something. And at the time, instead of um, reading books, because I was working so much, I was listening to a lot of podcasts when I was walking my dog. And one day, I don't know, call it ego, but I was like, this can't be that hard. (laughs) Like, all these people are doing it. Like, I I could figure this out. And so I just started doing a lot of research, watching YouTube videos, Google and stuff. And then got a little one, um, uh, one channel kit with everything to start. And I just started. And... I recorded 12 episodes before I published anything wow. just to make sure it didn't suck and, you know, <laughs> yeah. learn how to do it. And then I also just knew from, you know, marketing experience and having like a content backlog and things like yeah. that. And I, I didn't want to focus on being like tight to the deadline of having to record and publish because there's a stat out there with podcasts that most podcasts don't make it past seven episodes. So for me, I was like, well, I'm going to beat that out the gate because I'm going to do 12. <laughs> 
And so I did it and then I just loved it. And I did at least one podcast, most times two podcasts a week, every single week for over 40 years. With your job. With my job. Wow. That's crazy. And so that kind of became a side hustle. At first it was just like, <laughs> this is fun, I like it. But then I started to get asked to speak at places. Oh. Like I sp I've spoken at the International Builder Show twice wow. about how to start a podcast and how, what it can do for your personal brand or for your business. Mm -hmm. um, when the pandemic hit, I was like, let me put this into an online course. And I built an online course and put it out on Udemy. And I still get PayPal payouts for it <laughs> now. And then people started asking me how to do it. You know, similar like this kind of how we started talking. Hey, yeah. I think about doing this. We want to talk to you. I'm like, sure. Um, now I'm not charging you, right? But <laughs> we appreciate that. People, <laughs> people have paid me. They're like, yeah. teach me how to do it and I'll pay you. And so I was like, that's crazy. I never thought people would pay me to do this. Yeah. Like I taught myself to do this. I thought that's just what people do. And so I started experimenting on Fiverr and um, on apps like Bumble Biz, or there's one called uh, Shaper, where you can just network professionally. Mm -hmm. And I would just be swiping white and swiping left on people, <laughs> and which felt really weird. And then starting conversations and throwing out, like I remember I would just make up products and services. Like, oh yeah, I have this program that does this and it costs X. If you wanna do it, let's do it. And I didn't have any of these things. <laughs> I was just testing the market to see and if somebody said yes and wanted to buy it and pay me through Venmo, then I would build the thing and do it. And so I started literally a business um, in 2019 and into 2020, you know, basically being a, a coach, content consultant, of whatever you want to call it. It was like a mixed bag of things. And that was awesome. It, it taught me a lot about things and also taught me I didn't want to be the general manager of a home manufacturer. Yeah. So that's what led me to my switch. And so I quit that job and got a job at another marketing agency to get back into it which I didn't think about it while I was doing it, but when I had to put my resume together and mm -hmm. I, I put everything I had done in my main career and then all the stuff I had done outside, when I started interviewing for jobs, people didn't want to talk at all about what I did at my main job. Mm -hmm. Everybody wanted to talk about the side hustle stuff. <laughs> yeah. Everybody was curious about the podcast. Everyone yeah. wanted to know how I built my own consulting business and everybody's more impressed with that, frankly. And so I was like, so happy I did this first <laughs> off. But I think that's a good thing for people listening to this mm -hmm. to hear. And going back to the extracurricular things, if I know I felt this way as a young person graduating, it's like we're taught in high school, you need all these extracurriculars to build up your resume to get to college. You get to college, you need all these extracurriculars to build up your resume to get a job. You get a job and you're told you better be glued to your desk and you can't leave at five because you're gonna get in trouble. Yeah. It's getting better these days, but that's how it was yeah. back in the day because I guess I'm old now. <laughs> um, and then it's like, you're supposed to die at your desk and it's like, yeah. what else do you do? And that's just the wrong way to think about it. Like mm -hmm. we should always be continuing to build those extracurriculars. One, it keeps you mentally sane. Mm -hmm. And then two, you never know when it's gonna be time for the next pivot, like life's long. Mm -hmm. And so you can be building up that resume to make a change easier than others that only specialize in one thing and that's mm -hmm. it. And so that was what I did. And then I was, I was director of digital marketing at that place. I oversaw the paid search and organic content teams. And then surprise, surprise, hey, you do a podcast. <laughs> Um, we've been thinking about doing a podcast at the agency. I'm like, I could do that. Like, I'll have that up in two months. And they're like, <laughs> what? I'm like, 100% it'll be done in You've two done months. You've done it already. Yeah, I was like, I already did it. And then so I did it. I launched it, and I was the host of that podcast. And so now I had a personal podcast and a work podcast. <laughs> and then they're like, we could probably sell this to our clients. Uh. I'm like, you absolutely could. I could do it for them too. And then so then I had three or four client shows I was producing. Like I would drive in the morning to a local plastic surgeon's office, <laughs> set up the setup you see in front of you and record him talking about all these different procedures, go back, edit the stuff, put it up on the feeds, and then we used it for content for mm -hmm. their marketing. And it was just a lot of fun. But then 
personal situations changed. I had a couple mm-hmm. kids, um, the pandemic, there's a lot of stuff yes. that happened and we wanted to move to Pittsburgh to be closer to family. Mm-hmm. And, um, I wanted to make more money in such a PA, <laughs> like there's not a whole lot of growth yeah. in salaries. Um, you know, cost of living is pretty low, things like that. And so again, I got to put the resume together and show what I had done and, you know, going so many tangents i'm sorry no, it's but okay. same same period of time in 2020 you know i did the course yeah. but i applied for a ted talk i wrote and published a book mm-hmm. and so now when i was again i was putting the resume together i'm like this is fun to do because <laughs> i got to put all that stuff yeah, and again yeah. my current my current spot it's like we've been trying to do a podcast for years i'm like i'll have it done in two months <laughs> and i was like this is like deja vu but i did it again and so we've had our podcast here for almost two years yeah and it's really just proof that like you make something that you loved into your job like yeah. everybody says that like do what you love do what you enjoy doing don't just like go into a job title because that's what you think you're supposed to be doing like 100 percent. that's yeah. a much more succinct way to say everything i just said <laughs> thank you for that no we really appreciate following along with you on that journey that's really really cool to hear about how you're able to incorporate the podcasting into so many different aspects of your life both personally and professionally um, for us, because we're just starting out, like all the advice in the world we can take. What is sure. your biggest piece of advice for anybody trying to start a podcast? Just start one. <laughs> like you can get so in your head on in this, yeah. right? Yeah. There's so many different ways to do it from the equipment to the theme or whatever, but mm-hmm. like just take out your phone if you have nothing else and start talking and hit record. Listen to a back, share it with a couple friends and ask people if it sucks or if it's good. Right? <laughs> and think to yourself, does it suck or is it good? And then do that first. But then what I did, I still remember, I sat down in a bar in 2017 over a beer in a notebook. And I was just like, I just was writing out my idea. I was like, mm-hmm. here's what I think the idea is. It was relish the journey because it was super broad. It was literally this type of exact conversation. I was fairly young. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to go next. And I wanted to talk to people and figure out what they learn along the way. And that's what I called it. And then I started listing who could I talk to? Like who mm-hmm. do I already know in my life that I think has a cool story and a cool journey that people could learn from and I could learn from? And I started writing names and I like didn't stop. I was like 40 deep. I'm like, okay. So like <laughs> I, could, I could do 12. It's possible. Least, right? It's possible. Yeah. And so then I started calling people and I literally, nobody knew I was doing a podcast. I would just call my friends and be like, hey man, can I record this conversation? And they're like, what are you talking <laughs> about? I think I'm start a podcast. I'm just gonna record this if that's cool. And they're like, okay. And then I'll just talk to them record it then then I had to learn how to edit it because I didn't know Mm -hmm. but now I had something to work with then I had to go on Canva and figure out what the heck is this going to look like how am I going to promote it and build the whole thing up and then you build your own sort of process just like you would if you were in a company for like how things work and it becomes a repeatable thing Mm -hmm. and then it just becomes a lifestyle really the podcasting for me at least was just like not something I did but it was just like who I was Mm -hmm. and my wife would go to bed at 9 p.m. and I would go upstairs to my podcast studio and work (laughs) again for hours and then wake up and go to my real job and then come back and so that's the other thing I think people love the idea of a podcast but don't want to put the work in yeah yeah and you really have to commit yourself to doing it consistently otherwise why would anybody listen to you there's so many podcasts out there if they don't know when they can expect a new episode and there's not a new episode consistently and it's not good quality content doesn't sound good it's not interesting then they're going to move on so you gotta you gotta figure out what that is for you yeah and something you like doing because you'll you'll do it for a long time and that was one of the other things i was wondering like you ha- you said you mentioned you're married you have children how did you balance that with your because you're doing multiple jobs really yeah oh 100 it was and so I would do, I would batch it. So mm-hmm. I would sometimes interview two people in a night, um, you know, being on East Coast. 
I could stay up late and talk to somebody in California and it wasn't too late for them, right? And so mm -hmm. I planned it that way. I was talking to people in Australia and in England <laughs> and stuff. It was like, what time works for you? Cool, I'll be awake. Um, and I did that. And then I got really efficient with editing to make it happen. And I would mm -hmm. schedule stuff in advance so that I didn't, it wasn't like every single night I had to be up there doing it. I got efficient with my time so that I could I'd do it a couple nights a week and it would still function and nobody would know the difference. Mm -hmm. And then even like when my first son was born, I was like, I know I'm not going to be, I'm going to be up changing diapers. Yeah. I'm not going to be podcasting. <laughs> but so I prepped for that before he was born. I had nine months to plan for it. And so I recorded another batch of like 12 or something. And I didn't, I didn't actually do it for a while, but the world saw a new episode every mm -hmm. single week. So it was just, just planning ahead. Mm -hmm. And now the answer is I haven't done it for myself in a while. Like if you guys mentioned looking at my stuff, like I don't think I've released a new episode for my personal shows in probably a year mm -hmm. because I've been, I've been doing it for work. And I sort of ran out of stuff to say. Mm -hmm. Like two episodes a week for four years, that's a lot of content. That is a lot, yeah. That's a lot of content. And I kind of got burned out on it and I didn't love it anymore. And mm -hmm. so I was like, I don't, want, I don't want to hate it. Let me just take a break and just go live my life and then yeah. figure out what I want to say next and then I could come back to it. And you, you'll have a different perspective on everything 100%. because you're a different age, you're a different part of your life. And Yeah, and so I've actually been thinking a lot about my next show. Mm -hmm. and the universe keeps like prompting podcasting like this back to me where <laughs> yeah. it's like, okay, we're ready for you. <laughs> But so when I moved to Pittsburgh, I knew it was going to be stressful. I had a six-month-old boy, so oh two Lord. kids now, oh starting a new job, moving to a new city, all that good stuff. So I was, I, I was missing the physical outlet of swimming because mm -hmm. I sort of let myself go when I was go, just going into work, like I said. Yeah. That's why I don't recognize, recommend it. Um, and so I just started running, um, and I signed up for the Pittsburgh Marathon, like um, nine months ago. And so I literally went like couch to marathon. Oh, my God. So I ran the marathon. <laughs> Last year, I ran another one in February in South Carolina, and I'm doing it again in May. So I'm a runner now. It just kind of <laughs> happened. But so that's probably what I do next is I can pivot. I always said about Relish the Journey, it was so broad that it could be applicable, but it could also be niche down if I wanted to. Mm -hmm. Like I did a season that was Relish the Journey of fatherhood because mm -hmm. I just you became a dad, right? And so now it could be Relish the Journey of like running <laughs> and talk to other distance runners about the mindset and how do they apply what you learn about yourself and training for a marathon to mm -hmm. their business. And a lot of the same sort of threads we're pulling on in this conversation is what I'm going to do next, I think. Yeah. And then just see where that goes. I definitely think that that running podcast is a great idea. I was a distance runner in high school. I ran cross country nice. all four years. Um, I feel like a lot of people have a really bad stigma about distance running and they think it, they can't do it. But probably hearing from somebody who had that experience, literally couched marathon in nine months, I'm sure people would love to hear any like anecdotal evidence that you have or just conversations between you and other distance runners. The yeah. mindset thing is huge in distance yeah, running, which I'm definitely. sure you've come to learn. So huge, yeah. I was a distance swimmer, so I did, yeah. I did the mile, mm -hmm. and nobody wants to do that. No. It's, six, it's 66 <laughs> laps in a pool. Oof. Um, so the mindset thing was just applying it to a new thing, and like yeah. nobody taught me how to run. Mm -hmm. I realized I was running, running wrong my whole life when I got into it. But yeah, I agree with you. It's mindset's huge for everything, you know, yeah. running or work or whatever you want to apply yourself towards. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And then um, just, you mentioned you wrote a book. You want to talk a I little did, bit about that? I did, that. that. I did that. That was <laughs> it's a, a thing. little, just a little tiny blip <laughs> on your life. <laughs> yeah. Really, like. Yeah. So one of my favorite books, and I'd recommend anybody, anybody in your life, but let alone people, folks getting ready to graduate college read, is called Atomic Habits mm -hmm. by James Clear. And he, there's a concept in that book called habit stacking, 
where we all have habits every day. Like you wake up and then you immediately brush your teeth and then you get coffee or something, right? That's a stack of habits that you do. If you want to introduce a new habit, you insert it in between two habits that already exist. Mm -hmm. So let's say you wanted to get fit. You might wake up, brush your teeth, do 20 push-ups, and then drink your coffee, mm -hmm. and you just put it in a flow that you know is going to happen. So I did that with book writing. Mm -hmm. I had it's been a bucket list thing. Um, when I was doing podcasting, I was also doing mastermind groups, which is like an online group of like-minded individuals, sort of like accountability towards common goals, and just mm -hmm. kind of like vibe off each other. It's like a group of friends hanging out. I started off, sorry, it's another side hustle thing. I started off in the group <laughs> and then eventually got asked to lead the group. And so uh -oh. I was like, you're gonna pay me to do the thing I was paying you to do? Sure, and so I did that. But in the, one of these mastermind groups, I said the line, um, you have to do the unseen work so that when you are seen, you have something to show for it. And when I said that, like, people just stopped talking and there was a moment where we were like, whoa, like say that again? <laughs> Brain yeah. exploded. Yeah, and I said it again and then I, so I wrote it down. I was like, okay, that, like, that got a reaction from people. Yeah. And I just wrote it down on my desk and so I kept looking at it and I kept thinking about it and then so I was like okay so what is this what is unseen work how can mm -hmm. I find it and I started thinking about just like I did with the podcast and like over beer and writing notes the same sort of thing <laughs> and then I realized that I could use my podcast as qualitative research for a book like a podcast is just a series of interviews and what, what do you get data from a lot of times surveys and interviews mm -hmm. and so I started listening back to the first 100 episodes of oh, Relish the Journey which was cringeworthy to say the least, <laughs> hearing like, you know, years old, younger me, like just figuring out how to podcast, like sucking at it. Oh, we, it. we definitely look forward to that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought you were say, oh yeah, we listen to it, Miles, oh, you no, suck. No, 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 definitely not. I mean, for us. Um, yeah, so it's fun. You learn a lot about yourself for sure. But then I realized like, okay, like I could apply this theme to that. I'd interview all these people, people that had gotten deals from sharks on Shark Tank, mm -hmm. people that had one chopped the TV show, successful business people, athletes, whatever. And in their story of the journey towards what they're seen for, there were all these wonderful moments of just like that struggle along the way mm -hmm. that you would call their unseen work. And so I codified it into different types, uh, generational, passive and active unseen work. And then I just started taking notes as I was listening to like form the outline. Mm -hmm. And at the same time I started doing that, something came across my newsfeed about a TEDx event in Williamsport when I went to college, which I still live near. And the theme was the next chapter. And yeah. I was like, this is like freaky how, like, yeah. how similar this yeah. is. And so I was like, all right, let's cool. Let's do this. I'm gonna apply to the TED talk. And if I get through to audition, like I should do this, like I should write the book. Mm -hmm. It means somebody cares about the idea. It's a way to test it. Just like mm -hmm. I said, record something and share it. So I applied, I wrote it, I hit submit and I kind of forgot about it. And I still was doodling, working on my, but I just kind of, and then one day I got an email. It's like, congratulations, you've been selected for the next round. And I was like, oh shit, I got to write a speech. Like <laughs> speech writing is like, I'm good talking off the cuff with podcasts. I'm mean, like, you had to sit down and write it. So I had to do a five minute version of the Ted talk and then deliver it in a panel of judges. So I did that, and then I had to wait again, and then it was, congratulations, you've been selected for the, for the TEDx event. And so I was like, okay, I got a TED Talk to do. And so I had to write a 15-minute version. And so I put the book writing kind of to the side, mm -hmm. and I was like, the speech will be a really great outline. Like, like, I can distill the outline for the book in the outline of speech. And so I did that first. But going back to the habit stacking, and like people always ask, like, you had a full-time job, you're doing podcasts. How the hell did you write a book? No, it's crazy. I wrote a book in 30 minutes a day. Wow. Like every day for 30 minutes, I would write. It, it didn't matter if I wanted to or not, I would write. And my habit stack was at work on my lunch break, 
take lunch at noon. You have an hour. I didn't allow myself to eat my sandwich until I wrote for at least 30 minutes. <laughs> oh, wow. So it's like working is habit one, lunch is habit two. I slammed book writing in the middle for that in between. And I would close my work computer, go out to my car, open up my personal computer, and just write for 30 minutes, eat, and go back to work. And then I did that enough where eventually it was more than 30 minutes of the day. Mm-hmm. Like I would get struck by ideas in the shower or walking my dog, <laughs> and I like had voice memos on my phone, yeah. all this kind of stuff. But then I just I would just you know distill it down into the manuscript, and then through one of the connections I had in my mastermind, somebody was a writer and editor, so wow. I was like, will you edit this book for me and help me out? And she agreed to. And then I had a book and I published it and I did a podcast around it, um, same title as a book. And then I submitted it for an award. It's the Next Generation Indie Book Awards, really horrible name, but <laughs> an award program nonetheless. And I won yeah. an award. That's great. Yeah. So now I'm an award winning author, TED Talker, <laughs> podcaster guy. And it was all because in 2017 I was walking my dog and I was like, let's try. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's... So that's the message I hope people hear yes. is like, we all have those thoughts of maybe I could. Mm-hmm. And I think oftentimes we like say that's dumb or people are gonna think I'm silly or who am I to think I could be successful at this or another thing? And like, just do it, like who cares? Yeah. Yeah. You never know unless you try. Somebody said to me in an interview, you can always go back to doing what you're doing right now. You can never go somewhere you haven't been before. Mm-hmm. So like if you try and fail, you can always go back to what you're doing right now, but you're never gonna know if you could unless you try, so just do it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's great advice for everybody, not just college students. That's so true. Absolutely. And we appreciate that a lot. You're welcome. Yeah. It's just like, but especially for college students, yeah. like navigating your life, navigating like your interests. I feel like you're always surrounded by people the same age as you. So you're always thinking like, oh, maybe I shouldn't take that risk because I'm going to get judged by my peers. Like that's definitely a very valid fear for many people. But yeah. I think that your advice is amazing. And yeah. if more people took it, they would definitely We'd yeah. get find success. Yeah. When I tell you one of the most powerful things everyone in college right now has is a .edu email address. Mm-hmm. Like look at you all are sitting on the 20th floor of the PPG building <laughs> in downtown Pittsburgh right now talking to me because you're students. Yeah. You're like Because I saw you speaking at, at college. Getting through like with a cold email to somebody that's busy or somebody on LinkedIn and you have a podcast, if we just use that mm-hmm. example, and you're a student, so many people love to give back because they wish somebody had when they were at that mm-hmm. age versus you're just another grubby adult trying to get something <laughs> from them, right? So don't wait till you graduate to start either. If anybody wants to do this stuff, start now and leverage that as a way for networking because people are always willing to talk and share their thoughts, get interviewed, share their experiences, yeah. and you can get into rooms that other people just one year older than you wouldn't be able to because they're not a student anymore. Yeah, yeah. and um, just like one thing that I've like observed is you were busy all through college. You were busy, and then like you were always busy. And I think did that like help you in like you're saying stacking habits and stuff. You're always you were always busy in college. So when you went into the real into the real world, um, you kept yourself busy and did that yeah. help you in the like transitioning it did it help you like finding what you're passionate about that kind of stuff i think it helped me it also hurt me though mm-hmm. and this is something i've been vocal about because i feel like people don't they need to hear this side of it like the, the potentially dark side of it mm-hmm. yeah Definitely. so i threw myself all into work and yes i climbed the corporate ladder yeah. and I had a big job at 27 and i loved it but i also didn't work out at all i was i went from a collegiate athlete to you know, I was working at a brewery, so I'd come home and be drinking growlers of beer. And all of a sudden, yeah. I woke up one day and I was like 215 pounds. I was out of shape. 
um, I was having panic attacks mm-hmm. because I didn't love my, I didn't like what I was doing, but I was, I feel like I had to do it because like, that's what you're supposed to do. It's you're supposed to go step. to work and you're yeah. supposed to take the promotion and do all this stuff. If you don't like it, whatever, make the money, do all this stuff. And I ended up like on anxiety medication mm-hmm. be, just to like exist because it was like too much. And that was part of what made me quit that job as well. And like, I was like, okay, this obviously doesn't make me happy. The opposite, like this, this is like killing me in a way, yeah. right? It's not good. And I was just becoming a father. And I was like, is this what I want my son to see? Mm-hmm. Like me fat and overweight and miserable because I hate my job and I'm just doing it to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm 29 at that point. Like there's way, the so much life ahead of me. Yeah. Like this is not what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So that's the dark side that can happen. Like, yes, I was always busy. You can be busy, but it'd be a good busy. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. be busy in multiple things. Be busy at work, but also be busy taking time for yourself. Mm -hmm. Be busy relaxing, like bird watching, reading a book. (laughs) I don't know. Like, take care of yourself, basically. Do things things that fuel your body and your brain as much as that fuel your career. Because it's easy for folks that are used to being busy and feel Mm -hmm. like you need to be productive busy all the time to really lean into that too far. And then if you don't catch it, it can almost feel like it's too late. Mm-hmm. It's never too late, by the way, yeah. to like just change it. But it's it's scary to change it mm-hmm. because it becomes part of your identity. It's all you know. What if it doesn't work out, mm-hmm. right? Just like what if... You what get if, all these all negative that. things oh, coming yeah. in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it helped me climb the ladder and build a resume. It was mm-hmm. good. It hurt me a little bit. But now that I also think that was good and that helped me because I had that moment when I was 29 years old, mm-hmm. I know some people that had that moment when they're like 55 yeah. or 60, and then they really feel like it's too the late. The midlife crisis yeah. moment. And yeah, they, <laughs> and they don't actually do anything about it. I realized it early enough, so I did something about it, I learned from it, and now I'm much better because mm-hmm. all of that happened, the good and the bad. So, I don't know, take that as you will. That, that <laughs> yeah. was just my experience. Yeah. No, I mean, it's definitely great hearing like your experience and about how you were able to turn it around because I feel like definitely a lot of people, even at our age, already feel like it's too late to change things sometimes. Sure. Oh my gosh, we have so much time. Yeah. <laughs> so but much it time. It doesn't feel like that when you sit in your, when you're in your life. Like it's a different feeling. I totally feeling. get it. Yeah. yeah, I totally get it. But I am 33 <laughs> and it's like, I don't feel like, doom and pending when I say that sometimes like I'm only 33 yeah like my grandfather's gonna be 90 this year so like I got 60 years still like yeah. that's a long time and that's I could have three more careers in that time that's you so know? true when you think about everything I've been able to do in 33 years well less than that because I wasn't doing much when I was like two <laughs> <laughs> yeah like so much so much is possible we just yeah. have to get our own way yeah, yeah I think it's really just getting out of our own heads about it totally definitely like making those jumps and in your career personal life all of that absolutely so anything to like anything you want to leave off on wow yeah i love that I, I'm, I'm big on open-ended <laughs> questions as well when i interview people and yeah. that's like the ultimate open-ended <laughs> question Definitely. Uh, grab bag you pick i think you know i think what i would say to people some people will ask me when i do things like this like mm-hmm. how can i do what you do so they'll, they'll frame it they don't say it directly like that but like they want to start a podcast they want to write a book and they want to take mm-hmm. all that good stuff right like I can systematically break down for you like a step-by-step of how to do what I've done, right? Mm-hmm. But I hope what, that's not what people take away from this is like I'm gonna do everything Miles did to start a podcast or like that's the blueprint I have to follow. What 
and I don't mean this to be a plug for my book, but just follow <laughs> me. What I want people to take away from is like focus on the unseen part. Mm-hmm. You know, like especially your generation, like shit, everybody's on TikTok dancing their heads off. Yeah, and that's true. <laughs> wanted, wanted to be in the spotlight and be seen. But if you don't put the work in, like the unsexy stuff, it could be work on yourself. It could mm-hmm. be work on your craft. It could be whatever that is. Then when you finally do get seen, you won't be able to sustain it. And it's going to be the moment I had where I'm, you know, having panic attacks because I'm, mm-hmm. I have so much imposter syndrome and I hate what I'm doing. And, but everybody needs me to perform. And it's like, you have a crisis of like identity. Mm-hmm. So it's like, as much as we want to go hard and go fast and be a director level and make all the money right out of mm-hmm. college, like remember that you have so much time, focus on upskilling yourself, get free i'm taking marketing because that's what i'm yeah. in right but like for marketers get get the free google certifications yeah. go on hubspot academy and salesforce trailhead and like learn all you can still read all the books interview people even if it's not for a podcast mm-hmm. like ask them what they did get some mentors go for a run every now and then right <laughs> find balance and really focus on yourself and do all that unseen stuff so that when somebody looks to you and says can you take that project mm-hmm. you can say with confidence yes or beyond that, you can raise your hand and say, you know, I've been experimenting with this outside of here, and I could show you this case study of how I've been able to do it myself, and I think we could apply it here, and they're gonna be like, yeah, do it. Yeah. yeah. Right? And so just lean into the crappy ramen noodle eating <laughs> period of your early 20s yeah. to just like, don't go to the clubs and spend all your money on alcohol and all that kind of stuff, right? Like, try to build something, even if that something is yourself, mm-hmm. and do it unseen. So that when you get your chance to step forward, you're like, you rock it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we appreciate this time. Taking yeah. time out of appreciate your day. Appreciate you guys coming out. Yeah. That was, everything you said was great advice. And, and we'll thanks. definitely take it into consideration yeah. <laughs> in the next three years because we've got a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome.